like I've had in my own experience of people who are peop- monks or nuns or lay people can um, can maybe blame me for being for uh, implying some inadequacy on my part that caused them to become disillusioned or caused them suffering while in the Sangha. Then then this this is a taking it personally. Then then if I take that personally, then then you know then I can feel either uh, offended that I you know that they they're blaming me, or I can dismiss them as just being deluded. But whatever way I do on the personal level, then I'm still not realizing that first noble truth. But when I say let go of the personal approach and just feel the suffering of the person, of the individual, of that being in their expression, whatever way they express it, in whatever personal way they express it, you're getting beyond the, 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 the personal quality into the real experience of suffering, then I find compassion arises, karuna, because this is a, an empathy with the suffering of, of all beings of this, in this universe. It's not just a, a kind of personal uh, patronizing pity or, or, or sentimentality, but it's a profound sense of, of compassion, which means understanding suffering or from the universal rather than the personal. Pointing, trying to point to the, the limitations of the personal, how it easily influences us, how we interpret life, and limits us all the time to reactions to, to either through indulging and, and, or in suppressing the two extremes. And then the Gamasukalikanu Yoka, Attakinamatana Yoka, the two extremes the Buddha pointed to to avoid. And the middle way then is the is is not being caught in the extremes, but realizing the way things are. In terms of of it uh, all conditions are impermanent and not self. Now the conditions can be extreme. Uh, in themselves, but the way we relate to the, con- the extreme conditions is not extreme because it's no longer personal, but seeing it for what it is. Now things are what they are in the present moment. If one, if if there's a happiness or joy or sorrow or grief or anger or fear or whatever, when we're Contemplating that, as it, were, as, it, as it arises in our consciousness, we're contemplating it as Dhamma, so it is what it is. Like if there's anger, then anger is like this. It, 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 it has this uh, quality. It is that at that moment. But when we're taking it personally, then it becomes my anger, then it becomes more than what it is in the present. Because I'm adding myself to it. So I say that the feeling, of the emotion of anger arises 
and I say my anger, I'm adding something to it. So it's more than what it is. It is anger, and it is what it is. It's like this. But then out of heedlessness and not understanding Dhamma, then I create it into my anger, and then it becomes, then I proliferate on my, and you made me angry, or I shouldn't feel angry, or it gets, goes on into a whole uh, kind of scenario um, based on uh, the sense of myself and you. But when we contemplated uh, the angers like this, then there's this, this kind of resting and watching. We're not trying to deny or change it, get rid of it, complicate it, analyze it, make any problem about it, but recognize it's just this way. Embracing it means that we're we're taking on that we're 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 taking an interest in it. First, we need to take an interest in in these emotions, not not on the personal level, but because they are what they are, and we we tend to uh, maybe live a life of reactivity to them, of trying to control, suppress, deny, exaggerate the emotional experience of the present. So then the emotions as we as we keep letting them be what they are, and then they cease, because all things are conditioned, all conditions are impermanent, and all suffering is anatta. Then you begin to recognize that emptiness of the mind where uh, you sometimes can where there's nothing coming there's nothing but the mind is the 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 present is is an empty experience but there's consciousness there's awareness but there's not this struggling of indulgence or suppression the extreme So we notice that. We, we like, I encourage this, this noting. It's like this. Non-attachment is like this. When there's no sense of a separate self or a person, it's like this. And from that, then the, the sense of a self arises and you can be aware of the, of, of how the uh, you know the impermanence of self it it's it's a condition that depends on other conditions for it to arise and then it ceases but when the sense of a self is is has ceased a cessation then it's like this And from this, then the, the cessa- realization of cessation, and then the samaditi, or the right understanding, right view, which is the fourth noble truth, eightfold path. Seeing things in the right way. 
Now, with the sound of silence, I, this I found, like when the mind is empty, then this I hear this. So I'm not caught up in the emotional uh, kind of reactions to the world and the sense of myself. When that drops, then there's this ringing silence. In various religions, it's oftentimes referred to as a as a kind of a primordial sound or the voice of God or all kinds of of uh, expressions that convey that it's you know it's it is a uh, it's given given an importance because the silence say of the present is where you can really you realize liberation. As long as you're struggling to become liberated, caught up with with a sense of yourself trying to become enlightened, and as long as you're operating from that view of I'm somebody who's got to get enlightened, then you'll forget that sound and you'll be you'll be struggling with your trying to get something, make yourself control your mind, uh get caught up in the in the, in the worldly idea of becoming becoming something bawadanha or get rid get rid of things like you might be feeling angry upset uh, whatever and then you you you're trying to get rid of these bad feelings trying to purify yourself by getting rid of bad emotions bad thoughts and so then, then that's a struggle, isn't it? This struggle to to get rid of, control, manipulate, organize everything. Remember when years ago I used to like to sit for on meditation retreats maybe four or five hours straight because then I would... Uh, after a couple of hours of struggling and trying to control and and my mind and and, uh, and trying to get the samadhi, concentrate the mind and going through all the efforts of resistance and struggle and control, after a while you just give up. <laughs> and then I'd get these states of quiet, of just natural bliss. So I just sitting there and the, the mind would be empty. And there was no struggle anymore. I didn't know me trying to get something, and and uh, it was no longer caught into all that struggle of becoming or getting rid of. But then I attached the idea that you had to sit for hours in order to get it. So then I I I was kind of arranged meditation retreats, so I'd get all these long sittings in, and then. And then, just by my own kind of manipulating mind and condition and trying to to get this state through through the idea of that if you sit long enough you'll you eventually get it, uh, it began to find it even more difficult because there's basically a, I was attaching the idea of sitting for a long time was the way to do it. And there you go. I can have 
continue to increase the city, does it get, you know, after a while you can only sit so long and you can't. <laughs> You've got to go to the toilet or something. You can't. <laughs> These things get in the way and you can't get enlightened because you've got to go to the toilet. <laughs> Something wrong view about that one. Uh, so even in a meditation retreat, we can identify, you know, thinking that that you have to go on on a two-week retreat with instruction and everything in order to to realize this. But this is why it's important to really to to, to reflect on the on the way it is to to recognize that the conditions are like this, but not to attach to the conditions or the method or anything that you might be using. Like even with the sound of silence, when I first started using that, I, thought, I, I, got, I got attached to the idea of listening to the sound of silence. So I kinda, I'm going to sit here and listen to the sound of silence. And then I'd struggle with this and trying to keep it in my mind. And, so while it also get pretty pretty dreary just because of the I was attached to the idea of it you know that if I if I really you know got that sound going then I somehow I'd get it in this nice state of of emptiness no attachment to remember the the attachment to to is is the is the real is what the Buddha was pointing to in anything, in the conventions he uses, or whatever, it's it's desire attachment that that he's pointing to. So even attachment to Buddhism is not liberating. Attachment to goodness is not liberating. Attachment to the idea of Dhamma, or to the sound of silence, or to the view of non-self, or or attachment to any view, Buddhist view, or anything at all, the Ubadana is uh, is uh, is to always uh, is the thing that that takes us to suffering. But once you uh, see that, you really recognize dana Ubadana or desire and attachment, then. You can you, you you can use conventions and and conditions for reflection and mindfulness without being attached to them. This is a very this is I think very clearly stated in Buddhist teaching or the Paticca Samuppada the dependent origination teaching you. You can kind of check it out through that. The the avicca, bhajaya, sankara, the ignorance of the Four Noble Truths, mainly, avicca, in this term, in this use of the Pali word avicca, means ignorance, not ignorance in, in the general way that we use that word, but ignorance of the Dhamma, or ignorance of the Four Noble Truths. Conditions are experienced. So if we're coming from a beach all the time, you know, 
the sense of myself and I'm going to practice in order to become something uh, I, and so we attach the idea of myself into what I think Buddhism is and that I've got to do something in order to become uh, an enlightened being sometime later on and uh, the whole sense of, of self and, and attachment to views about Buddhism and all that and this avicca even though it, it, we, we think of ourselves as Buddhists and, and we're going to do things like good things like keeping sila and meditating and doing all these, these very uh, things that are highly recommended in Buddhist circles <coughs> Buddhist teachers but if, if we're coming from the, the sense of I'm somebody who's doing this and without, without breaking through that illusion of self then the result will always be suffering of some sort. So that's why you can meditate for years on the personal level and still end up with suffering as a result. Because you haven't kind of, you aren't coming from vicha or or really right understanding of things. So this is where the, the Buddha's emphasis on mindfulness, because mindfulness isn't, isn't a, a state you can identify with. You can only be mindful, but you can't become someone who's mindful in the, in the, as a, as a as a personal position, you can only be mindful. It's like just right now, you're just aware, listening. And it, well, I'm trying to be mindful now, and I'm going to do something to be mindful. And then you're you're caught in the in the idea that I'm somebody who's got to become mindful in order to become enlightened. So you you know you, we, that's why it's so funny that we do such silly things in attempt to be mindful, and then we. I remember uh, in Thailand years ago, guys, you know, be mindful, be mindful, on my arms round, be mindful, and I'd be really, you know, concentrating. My, you have to walk barefoot through, I mean, forested areas into villages, and and uh, be mindful, be mindful. And I'd stub my toe on a stump. Uh, I'm not mindful enough. So I try even further. I do even more. Be more mindful. Be more mindful. <laughs> and then I stub the same toe again and be absolutely excruciating. I mean, what's wrong? You know, what am I doing? I'm so not mindful. And I, when I think I'm being really mindful, you know, and I'm really kind of nagging myself into, you know, ordering myself, commanding myself to be mindful. You know, God. Don't be mindful, <laughs> <laughs> and then then you do something that would you know quite obviously that that you should have been aware of you know that it, you you feel this despair. But the idea of mindfulness was more or less I was concentrating too much. Mindfulness is inclusive, where concentration is can if you if you just Using willful concentration, you doesn't mean you're necessarily you're, you're going to be mindful. Like when you're walking on a kind of rocky road or a path with stumps and and things like and and ants and snakes on it and that, 
you need to have this awareness like this rather than this single focus. This, 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 this embracing awareness rather than this, this uh, kind of concentrated effort on, on uh, through a, a willful act. I used to notice while doing walking meditation, I'd, I'd, uh, I could get very concentrated uh, doing walking meditation by doing everything very slowly. But oftentimes I wouldn't be very mindful outside of just this, I'd get very concentrated, but the the broad spectrum of mindfulness would be absent. Because I get very attached to the tranquility that comes through a slow movement and very concentrated attention on walking. So to the and it uh, because uh, say from my own cultural background there wasn't mindfulness is a word I say that I never really never really used till I became a Buddhist. People never talked about mindfulness really, and as a, as a, that I remember, I didn't think I ever used the word until I started reading books on Buddhism. But then I didn't quite know what it was when I just read it. I, you know, I thought it was it was really concentration. So when I started meditation in Bangkok before I even ordained, I would, I I would just I would uh, think I was being mindful, but I was really concentrating my mind. And it was very unclear what the difference between mindfulness and concentration was. And then more and more as I began to reflect, I could, you know, I saw mindfulness, I began to realize mindfulness is like this, it's not, it's not a, it's not concentrated on a thing, but it's an inclusive state that, that allows you to be aware of time, of place, of the way things are, both around you that, you, you're, that are affecting you through the senses and internally through the uh, state of mind you're in, the mood. Because it's a, an intuitive, mindful moment is 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 holistic. It embraces the the whole of the moment. It's not it's not where where discriminative thought is linear, isn't it? You have, you can only have one thought at a and in a moment. You, know, you can have I like I want this. One word one word has to follow the other. So when we get attached to language and and ideas, then our minds become caught in this kind of linear sequence in which we can think logically and reasonably <coughs> but not be mindful of the way things are. So we can live in a world of ideas and memories and thought and not not know ourselves or really understand anyone else very well. It's when we are mindful, intuitive awareness, intuition is 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 a, is, a, is mindfulness, awakenness, because then the mind is embracing the moment 
and the whole, the total moment, rather than just a thought and an idea, one after another. That's why it's timeless. Also, you're 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 realizing timeless, apparent here and now, timeless. Santitiko akaliko dhamma. Becoming a person then is is time bound. You know, I have a person. I have a I have a history. On the personal level, conventional personality, I have a history. I have a birth certificate. I have a passport. I have a, uh, you know, I have a, a whole, you know, born in 1934, and I <coughs> went to this school and ex- did this, and here I am. This person sitting here, Ajahn Sumato, sitting here at this moment. This is my personal history, and that. That's based on thought and on memory and perception. So it's linear, you know, you think, I was and I will be and I am. But when that, when you let go of the thinking, the self-view that comes through thought and through attachment to memory, then there's an awareness that is not bound into the time structures of of uh, of thinking and emotional experience so it's the door to the deathless are open So when we come from a vicha, in the paticca samupada, the dependent origination, a vicha, anything that starts with a vicha ends up as dukkha. And of course, this is this is a reflective teaching rather than a belief. So I used to contemplate this a lot. You know how if if you you know if I start even practicing meditation with a vicha as my as when I start with a vicha and I don't I don't see what I'm doing but I'm I am I am this person I'm a, I'm Bhikkhu Sumato who's got to practice now in order to become enlightened sometime in the future that's my that's my basic premise say as a person the personality view I am say Bhikkhu Sumato and I'm going to sit down and practice meditation in order to get my samadhi. Hopefully, by getting samadhi, I will be able to penetrate the Four Noble Truths and become enlightened sometime in the future. So, then from that, operating from that position, that's a vicha, and the result was always some kind of disappointment, feeling I'm so hopeless, you know, it's so remote, you know. Even when I think I'm getting getting right close and that, something eludes, you know, something goes off the track. You know, five hours, six hours of sitting, I've just about got it, and then your bladder. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
I used to contemplate maybe getting one of these catheters and bags. So then, avita bhajaya sankara. So that means that all that comes out of avicca, you know, that sankara bhajaya vinyana. So here, from the avicca, then that influences. If you start with avicca as your modus operandi, then you, then you, then you, uh, everything, thought and emotion that comes from avicca influences conscious experience. In the present, so this this, this ignorance is uh, is uh, is how you interpret conscious experience through the uh, nama rupa salayatana, the, the six senses, uh, uh, and through contact and vedana or feeling, which brings on desire and then attachment and then becoming and then uh, then then birth. And then uh, old age, sickness, death, grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. So, the, what that's really saying is a vicha, if there's a vicha, there's going to be dukkha. The result is dukkha. So, then, then start with vicha. And then we, but then we can think, well, that that's. How can I dare? You know, the, the self-view is still coming. I'm so, you know, I'm a, such a kind of hopeless case. I, how can I start with Vicha? You know, I'm, you know, I'm not led such a skillful life. Or I've got to, you know, I, I don't want to be inflated or think that I have the Vicha or I have any any real wisdom. Uh, so, so we end up always convincing ourselves that we've got to start with a Vicha. And so we start with the Vija and we end up with Dukkha every time. So this is where you, you, you know, by recognizing Vija or right understanding of things doesn't, isn't a personal thing. It's not like I, I have right understanding. Ajahn Sameda, you know, I'm, I'm all right. I have right understanding. But it's, maybe it's a simple act of just paying attention in the present that is impersonal. It's not you know, my samadhi, because I've got really good samadhi, and I can, I've got 30 years of experience as a bhikkhu, lots of barami, and good sila, and good vina, and all the rest, and so I should be able to make it, you know, uh, with all my credentials, my religious credentials. That's all avicca, isn't it? Me, my religious credentials, and, uh, and and one can inflate oneself through through uh, you know having religious credentials, <laughs> and you still end up with dukkha. So then it's it's that's why 
uh, spiritual practice is humbling. It's not not an attainment. You don't you, you're not attaining anything. So you're, you're, it's not like a worldly thing where you you put in a lot of hard work and you get better and better at something, and you finally you know get the, uh, attain a sense of having achieved something. But the spiritual life isn't. You don't feel you have ever achieved anything. Or if you have, you 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 end up with dukkha again. So learning to say trust in this ability to pay attention in the present, this listening, this state of poised awareness that I keep keep mentioning and encouraging, is something to trust in. It's the it's to is because it's not something you can really grasp, but something you can only be. You can't kind of make, you know, uh, get hold of it. You can only be that, be mindful. You can't become someone who's mindful. That whole sense of becoming someone who's mindful, you end up stubbing your toe on the stump. But if you're just being mindful, if there's this this state of this, awareness in the present, then you, you can even get into perspective the sense of yourself as someone who's got to be aware in order to become enlightened. Because I can, when I, just trusting in, the, in this awareness, then I can see the habit tendency of, of this kind of compulsiveness that I have in order, I've got to do something in order to become something. I get, I begin to see that as a mental object rather than as the position I take for my practice. So it's very simple but very frustrating to, to the conditioning of the mind which is which is very, uh, for many, many of us, very complicated. Our emotions and, we, we, you know, modern humanity, we've been educated and we're, we're, we're so full of ideas and views and, and uh, we, we become very complicated, complex, confused by it all. And the simplicity is oftentimes very frustrating for us. Because in, sometimes people find it easier to study the Abhidhamma than to be mindful in the present. How many Sobhanajitas are there? And that kind of thing. They, they list it all down. And <laughs> uh, they, they got. You know, they can, they can, you can train your mind to, to uh, grasp hold of all kinds of complicated teachings and still not be mindful. And the whole simple act of being mindful is, you haven't a clue what that is. Then when, you, when I first came to London, a woman came to see me who was a, uh, an Abhidhamma pundit. And she was, and she told me, and she'd written books on Abhidhamma, quite well known, that it was impossible to realize stream entry. Sotapanna. 
blessed her mind. She said, well, because, you know, and she, then she, she gave a whole list of uh, com- very complicated ideas of why you, c- you can't do it these days. She said, you know, in the time of the Buddha, people were different. Which means, which she was actually saying that they, they, they were maybe uh, that they weren't so complicated. They didn't have Western education. <laughs> they hadn't written any books. <laughs> because by the time you, you go through all that, you know, that then you end up thinking it's impossible. Isn't it? It's, uh, it, it sounds too complicated. So you end up, you know, I just can't handle it. It's too, too much, too complicated. Uh, I'm, Buddhism's too complicated. It's better to be uh, like a whirling dervish or something. Do something simple. Become a Sufi <coughs> or a Jehovah's Witness. I mean. Because it is, it, it, the, the simplicity of it is frustrating. With uh, faith also, this Bamunjandu Satang, Satang is the Sadda, faith. And Bamunjandu is the like kind of let go into faith, trust. Like, like this is this, this means a lot to me in my practice because by listening by this sense of just attention to the present and trusting in it then I get some perspective on all my own complicated ideas and my personality and I can hear it I can see it as a, as a mental object me and you know, kind of a subtleties of, of emotional experience or sensitive uh, experience. As, as you develop this awareness in the present, then one more, there's an awareness. Uh, you, you, you pick up a lot of the subtleties of just kind of, 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 uh, of just surprise or, or just slight movements of the mind. You're aware of the, of these, of, uh, the, the conditioning of the mind and the movement of, of thought or emotion, or just the, 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 the impingement of things on the, of the objects of sense on the senses. But it's in a state of awareness rather than you know, me trying to study the Dhamma, or me trying to, to figure it all out. Because it is intuitive rather than intellectual. In the life in uh, Forest Monastery in Thailand with Lumpur Cha, he was. That's why his his practice was around the the, the life of the month. So he was mindfulness about the daily life routine of monast- 
a monk living under Vinaya. So washing the Ajahn's feet and putting on your robes and going out on alms round and and the whole kind of day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year practice of mindfulness around doing the same doing the same things all the time. But as you surrendered to that, you kind of Bamunja Dusatang released yourself into that and watched and listened. It was a simple lifestyle, very simple, uncomplicated lifestyle. Uh, robes and bowl and contentment with what what is offered, that kind of thing. Then then the, you weren't thinking about raising the standard or getting something or becoming or or if you did, if those kind of thoughts did come into your mind, you're aware of them. You have a perspective for them, to 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 see them as mental objects rather than as uh, things that you've really got to do and follow. So in, in Thailand, that's where well, I think many of us felt this this uh, saw the value of a monastic form because it's. Even amongst the Western world, in the Western world now, there's so much kind of uh, views about our monks redundant or <coughs> obsolete, archaic. And especially in the United States, you're getting the kinds of, you know, do we really need bhikkhus anymore? That kind of thing. Because. Uh, <coughs> Because they uh, they see it only more or less like a priesthood, some kind of of priesthood that you you kind of become a religious uh, um, priest of some sort that uh, performs ceremonies or or you know lives within a tradition, rather than seeing it as a as a way of developing mindfulness and to simplify life. Simplify it down and get and to reflect your own complicated uh, egotistical ways. But then the danger is always in grasping the monastic life too. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so we get back to grasping. Because you see monks who spend their life as monks, and they, and they don't they ne- they don't seem to develop wisdom or enlightenment. One, the idea of being a monk, or or they you can kind of get institutionalized by the convention. You know, you get into the system, and you just can ride in it. It doesn't it doesn't carry you along. You, know, you get you get free food and place to live. <laughs> and you kind of get used to it. And then after a while you just, you know, you, you get, you just, you, you're, you're not, you're not mindful, you're just merely going along with the, with the momentum of the convention, which carries you. So in, 
in the holy life, we have to always never, never allow ourselves to take the system for granted or to get attached to it, but to keep using it for reflection. Day in, day out. So in, like in really awakening to life, not just uh, in the early years of monastic, when you, when you have a lot of inspiration to become a bhikkhu, or, a, or a, a nun, but as an ongoing, ongoing practice of every moment kind of listening. So I use this sound of silence wherever I go. Go to London, I can hear sound of silence in London, which makes me kind of open to the, uh, it's not a, like a, a, sil- uh, a sound that, that destroys things, but which gives uh, perspective on, on experience. It's like a background in which you're, you're resting in this background, then you can see how things are according to the context or the perspective. So it allows you to they flow with life to do the things you need to do and to be able to operate skillfully within the social conventions we find ourselves. But also to integrate this sense of awakened awareness as a flowing experience rather than a special thing you get on a retreat or under special conditions. In, remember, in the forest tradition, we used to be the idea that going to Bangkok was, you couldn't practice meditation in Bangkok. The idea that you get this forest tradition where you have to be in the forest. You have to be with the trees, with nature. And then, then you start seeing Bangkok as impossible. And go to Bangkok and, and my practice is shattered utterly shattered. It was really calm up there in the forest, a newborn. And then I had to go to Bangkok to renew my visa, <coughs> and I was just absolutely shattered, destroyed, my samadhi gone. And all those months of getting my samadhi, just a couple of days in Bangkok, and I was, it was samadhi was nowhere. I was just a wreck confused, upset, just really angry with the way people treated me and and, uh, and grumble, grumble, and blaming Bangkok for it. That's full of self-view, isn't it? I can, I need, I need the forest, I need to be with trees and, and the sound of the waterfall and the bird singing, but then, but then, even then, you get things that, like termites invading your kuti, and, and then, I remember one time in this, you know, this place, this silent monastery, and there's a farmer plowing his fields with a water buffalo, and he had a transistor radio tied to the horns of the water buffalo. <laughs> 
this pop music playing and it completely destroyed my samadhi. <laughs> you think it can't, what are you going to do? You know, you have, even now you can't get away from the, from, from all this technology. So I contemplated if, if my enlightenment depends on living on being in the with the trees, or having you know where I get dependent, then that means you know with the, uh, as as Thailand very quickly destroyed all their trees. <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, they cut down the forest very badly in Thailand within a few years, 70s maybe, and uh, there goes uh, opportunities, uh, you know, <coughs> stuck in, and, and, and then Bangkok gets worse and worse, traffic problems, congestion, noise pollution, or where, where can I find this where can, where is this this uh, this emptiness this this place this stillness this place of uh, this this Buddha in the present? So then, this attitude of developing the stillness within, which is indestructible. You know, you can forget it, but it's always there. Even if you've forgotten it, you can always remember it. So I use this. This, this, the sound of silence, and uh, remember it more and more. You gotta try to rest in it more and more, sustain it more and more, and under varying conditions. Not just under retreat, formal retreat like this one, but in committee meetings, in, in, uh, in airports, in airplanes, in, uh, going, brushing my teeth. I practice listening to the sound of science while brushing my teeth, eating my food. So that one, say, integrates this awareness into the, the, the mundane ordinariness of life. And so the more extreme forms of technique and, and ideal conditions are no longer necessary. They're not the you know, you, you begin to to understand more the the, the flowing of lo- the experience of the flux rather than holding to the idea that my practice is dependent upon certain conditions being a certain way. Because that is basically a bicha. I I have to have these conditions in order to become something. That's the basic avicca. So, in Bangkok, for example, I was there last uh, February. They're putting in this, on Sukhumvit Road, it's one of the main thoroughfares in Bangkok, they're building this sky train. So they had all these, these kind of, uh, uh, kind of dinosaur-like machines on Sukhumvit. And where I stayed was right off Sukhumvit, so I'd have to go out and, and every morning on Bindabad on Sukhumvit Road and and, uh, and then, uh, 
all these kind of like d- big huge dinosaurs uh, on on this road and kind of and these loud kind of pound pounding things where they're going deep into the because you know, they're trying to build this structure in order to build up this sky electric sky train that hopefully will reduce so much of the traffic problems in Bangkok. So you're getting this bang, 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 and there's kind of this, and then the traffic is even more congested because the, this takes up so much of the of the Sukhumvit road that that uh, and then the, it's, there's so much pollution from the from the, so many cars, and uh, and one can really make a case of you know of being averse and thinking I can't practice and Bangkok's a terrible place and and uh, and get carried away with uh, with all the uh, grumbling, complaining, uh, negative views about the situation that you're in, or where's the sound of silence? Where that complaining mind shuts up, stops for a minute. So even amid all these, these kind of banging sounds and pollution from cars and inconvenience and so <coughs> forth, there's no suffering. It's still what it is, but you're not creating suffering around <coughs> the, the conditions that you're experiencing. So that's a difference. It's still the pollution's still there, the loud noise, the inconvenience, the heat, the the pavement walking barefoot on on uh, cement is not so nice. But there's there's nobody making any problem about it. It's all right. People give you food. Very good food. Absolutely delicious food, some of it. (laughs) And and then uh, you uh, you stop creating suffering around even the unpleasantness of sensory experience. Now this you can see, you know, to get that perspective on the, they say the worldly view is these things are making my life miserable. Or you, if you, because you are arguing with me and you, you don't understand me and you criticize me and therefore I suffer a lot because of you. That's the, or you're crucifying me. And you're torturing me, and, and and you're causing me suffering. Or, am I causing suffering? Am I creating suffering around your nasty behavior to me? <laughs> so then, this is this is the the conundrum that we we examine. What is the suffering? What is the suffering of life, and who creates it? Who creates the suffering? And this, this, uh, 
So I used a lot because in in uh, the life in Thailand, for example, I could create a lot of suffering around it. Or as I began to understand that I didn't have to create suffering, that even the the uh, malaria or mosquitoes or whatever were still unpleasant experiences, but I stopped creating suffering in my mind around them. In order to do that, to rest in this awareness, uh, to, to relax into this awareness in the present, and to notice where, you know, that I don't have to. I, now I have a choice. I can create suffering or not. In Bangkok, people now have to, these traffic jams or something, they get stuck for hours in one place. What a wonderful opportunity for practice. <laughs> you know, you're stuck. You just sit there in your car and practice. And don't make suffering around the fact that you, you, can't, you can't get home on time. Or you can't get to where you're going when you want to. You can, you can reflect on your own frustration and anger or resentment about being stuck in a traffic jam. Well, you might as well, if these things happen, you might as well use them for Dhamma rather than, than make yourself utterly miserable for three hours and, uh, and blame Bangkok and everyone else for making your life inconvenient. It's up to you, isn't it? It's really, what we're saying is up to you whether you want to suffer or not. When you, when you see things in the right way, then you realize that even under adverse conditions and very unpleasant situations, not to deny or say to make, you know, the, the misery or the unpleasantness of them, but how we respond to those conditions determines whether we suffer or not. So I offer this as a reflection.